Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast Rookie Snapshot Series. This is episode three where Yahoo draft analyst Eric Edholm and I will discuss quarterbacks. And, you know, there's a lot of drama, Eric, around this particular (laughs) position as of late. I think it probably all started when San Francisco moved up. Definitely there are presumptions being made about who will be the third overall selection. Um, I think there should be some questions about why it's automatically assumed someone will be going at the number two spot, which seems a little bananas to me, but we'll get there. Um, So maybe this isn't the biggest focus on, like, fantasy outside of Superflex and dynasty leagues. But, you know, after Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow broke onto the scene last year, maybe we should take these players more seriously. And there are uh, additional pieces that they could potentially lift as in the current NFL, rookies aren't really, you know, set to learn behind anyone. They're pretty much thrown into the fire as starters immediately. Yeah, I mean, with with five potential first round picks, and you know, even if you count David Davis Mills as somebody who could go in the top fifty or something like that, I mean, we could see a ton of rookie quarterbacks getting in there early. You assume Trevor Lawrence is going to start from day one. Zach Wilson could too. Whoever the Niners take at three could be a sixteen game starter if Jimmy Garoppolo's moved. You know, it, it's exciting to think about how many young players we'll get to see. And a year from now, we'll be able to say, all right, this this player's clearly ahead of the rest. You know, Herbert was a surprise last year to some. You know, Burrow obviously gets injured. Mm-hmm. You know, Tua's story was unusual. I, I can't wait till we can, can fast forward a year from now and kind of look back at this class because five totally different talents. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence, and I think he is – The name that everybody knows, whether they follow college football, fantasy football, or football in general. I mean, it's hard to not know who Trevor Lawrence is. Everything about him is so big, from his stature to his flowing mane, down to his size 14 (laughs) cleats. So let's talk a little bit about this prospect, um, in case people don't know from whence he came. He's one of three kids. He's not your typical middle child, though. He was born in Knoxville, Tennessee. He grew up mostly in Cartersville, Georgia, which is one of those far-out northwestern suburbs of Atlanta. Yeah, Tiny town, population of about 20,000. Um, he played basketball and football. When you're 6'6", it's not a surprise that the high school team mm-hmm. would like you to play basketball while he was at Cartersville. Um But what's the most interesting about him from a football perspective is that he was a four-year starter in high school, which is already impressive. 41 consecutive wins for the Purple Hurricanes, passed for nearly 14,000 yards, earned 
Cartersville two state championships. So it's not surprising then that he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. He was ranked either number one or number two overall. Um, eventually, there was, you know, a, a bit of a, we don't want to say bidding wars because obviously college players don't get paid, but there was yeah. some... Um, fighting over who would get him and he eventually committed to Clemson where as a true freshman he beat out Kelly Bryant I believe four games into his true freshman season um something like that yeah yeah and then he he just broke all the records I mean not not really but he he might as well have he took the Tigers to two national championships in 2018 and 2019 they obviously won in 2018 and he closed out 2020 being named the ACC Player of the Year, he finished second in voting for the Heisman Trophy behind Devonta Smith, who we covered last week. And he is the presumptive number one overall pick in this year's draft. So, if you are thinking of one word that embodies all, and there is quite a bit of it, uh, of Trevor Lawrence, what's the word that first comes to mind? Liz, I was going to go with jealous, meaning I am jealous of everything that young man has, and I don't. But I, instead, we'll go with the natural, or natural, if you just want to stick to be, you know, to one word there. I mean, you know, he's an incredible athlete for his size. You know, six foot yeah. six. You think of this sort of classic pocket passer, and he can do that. But he also is a tremendous runner as well. He throws well on the move. I mean. Everything he does looks pretty darn natural. I'd still like to see him slide a little bit better. We can talk about that another day. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, the basketball background, you know, breaking high school records, winning every game he played pretty much. You know, even in college, his record was incredible. So I don't want to say it's come easy to him, but it's come very naturally. So that's uh, that's my word. What did did you come up with? I came up with Zeus, which is very – Similar. I mean, he is seemingly yeah. created in a lab, godlike. And I think it's because you mention the size, you know, the average uh, NFL quarterback is six foot three. He's got three inches on that, but he by no yeah. means has all of the negatives that like Brock Osweiler comes with, right? And he's 220, the average NFL quarterback about 225. There's still room to grow on that little frame. He's a young boy. <laughs> um, and so I think. You know, it's interesting because I think this draft class very much represents a turning point in the evolution of the most important position in football. And Mm -hmm. we have not seen someone, as you mentioned, with the cannon arm, with the ability to stand in the pocket and take hits, but also has the kind of mobility that he does. He, you know, he is that picturesque, statuesque passer but also wheels. Yeah, I, 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 we'll get to comps in a little bit. I'll be forthright and say I don't have one. I wrote N.A. because I yeah, can't right. really come up with one. I, I, I was leaning a little bit to Deshaun Watson, and maybe it's because they broke those, you know, similar. Or he, Trevor Lawrence broke uh, Deshaun Watson's Georgia records right. as, as a high school player. Uh, so maybe that was leading me in that direction but i i gotta be honest like i i see a lot of deshaun watson but he just built so much uh more i don't know largely i guess more substantially than watson yeah i mean i i had justin herbert as a comp and and you know it's 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 different because i mean they're they're both you know smart guys who i think process well big and athletic you know more athletic than you'd expect for somebody mm-hmm. with their stature Herbert's a little thicker build, maybe not quite as tall, you know, but style wise, you know, it's funny when you said Watson, because I watching some of the tape, 
and you you remember some of the plays that Watson ran at Clemson too, you know, they're, they're, they're different sizes. I think they have, you know, di- different skill sets, but there were times when I, th- when I could understand where that comp made sense. So yeah, they're, they're, there's a lot of overlap, obviously in what they ran with Davos when he uh, under uh, with Watson at quarterback and also with, with Lawrence. I think too, when people are asking for cons, because there's always room for development, especially when you're you know 21 years old, um, it's hard to find many for him. I, I yeah. see over and over, you know, the regular knock is that he gets locked in on his first read. But I'm going to ask you, I feel like, I don't know if that's true. I, th- I think that is true if you watch the tape. But also, he can force balls because he has the physical tools that allow him to pull that off. It's this weird push and pull. It's not like, well, he's forcing it because he doesn't know what comes next. He's forcing it because what I see is uber confidence in his physical ability that is unlike anything else. Yeah, and we saw a lot of that in 2019, yeah. his, his sophomore year. His, early in the season, first six, seven, eight games, I'd have to look back exactly when. He was throwing a lot of YOLO balls, right? I mm-hmm. mean, he just was like, all right, you know, even if I throw a pick here, we're all right. You know, it was a little too loose and a little too confident at times. And I think he found the perfect balance between what he did as a freshman, which was really take care of the football. You know, obviously he can still make some great throws, but played within the system and what we saw early in 19. And that led him to, you know, probably his best all around year this past season. The statistics are tough to compare because he played fewer games, right. but I, I thought it was, was at his best this past year in, in sort of balancing that when is the good time to kind of push the gas pedal and when do I need to hit the brakes a little bit? Um, but yeah, his, you know, if once he gets his touchdown, his accuracy and his touch, because I think they they can be a little bit scattershot at times, um, little misleading per- completion percentage. Once that gets honed in, I think he, he has a chance to be truly special. What stat to you is particularly representative of Lawrence's body of work thus far? Yeah, I, I wanted to put a little bit of a fantasy angle to it, and that's Do just it. 108 touchdowns in, <laughs> in 40 games, and only 36 of those were starts. So, you know, basically averaging about three touchdowns a start, 90 of those were passing touchdowns, 18 rushing. So, you know, this is an element that I think people will obviously, who are just becoming familiar with Lawrence or heard the name, only watched a couple games, whatever. You know, his running ability is a huge part of his game. And when things aren't working as they should in the passing game, he's not afraid to lean on that element a little bit more. And I love that about him. So, but he's a thrower too. And you picked a pretty good one as well. Yeah, the stat that I liked, and you mentioned this a little bit with the YOLO balls reference, is that he managed the most big-time throws since 2019, a count of 55. Again, I it's interesting, too, today, because we're seeing these quotes come out from Trevor Lawrence about how he, um, and they've been a little bit controversial, as everything is on social media, about how yeah. he doesn't need to be the greatest of all time, and how he feels like he doesn't want to just win, 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 but that living life is part of his journey and experience. And you've heard some people chime in and say like, well, I mean, he's going to retire by the time he's 30. No, thank you. That's not commitment. And other people saying, oh, wow, someone who's well-adjusted. That's refreshing and nice. And yet when I see these big time throws and I look at his physicality, I think like y'all are getting twisted for nothing. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) 
it's a lot to take in, right? When you have the the presumptive number one pick in the draft, somebody who's had an incredible level of success. This is not one of those years where, you know, there's a whole lot of guesswork about who's going first to, to make comments that on the surface are very un NFL quarterback like. And you say, wow, is this the ne- next Andrew Luck? Is this a guy who could take it or leave it? And not, I'm not slandering Andrew Luck. I, he made a choice to do his own uh circumstances and i appreciate him obviously he had a health scare in there that, yeah. that dramatically changed his perspective and, and maybe the recovery that's the case from the initial major in- right. injury which nobody f- wants to talk about or look at yeah no i mean andrew luck's comeback he was comeback player of the year and he was tremendous and and you know maybe in five years trevor lawrence gets a taste of nfl success and all the trappings that come with it, and his perspective changes, right? He's, what, 21 and a half years old or whatever he is, you know? So maybe it doesn't. Maybe that's the way he thinks for the rest of his life. But talent-wise and skill-wise, this is a, I don't use the word very often, but this is a generational type of talent right here. Well, you're not the only one using that. Right. It's been thrown around. And that's why I'm not afraid to. Yeah. Yeah, Right. (laughs) Um, But you're also mentioning, I think, you know, obviously the landing spot. You mentioned that there isn't a lot of guesswork. He's going to Jacksonville. We all know it's happening. I am a little bit concerned. I would like to hear not concerned is hyperbolic. I would like to hear, though, your opinion, because when you think about Urban Meyer, you don't really think about a go with the flow, cares about the mental health of his players foremost (laughs) um, kind of attitude. Right. This guy likes to win. And. I mean, I was watching the Bobby Knight 30 for 30 the other night and Urban Meyer's popping into my head is like, if we're comp, I mean, it's comp season, right? So like Urban Meyer, right. Bobby Knight, there seems that there could be some some crossover there. And then you have this presumptive number one overall pick say, eh, you know, I kind of just want to live life and like be good at the thing that I happen to be good at. And then <laughs> you think about the marriage of those two and obviously the history of college coaches coming to the NFL and Urban Meyer is a character, what all that could mean. What, oh, yeah. what are you going to, like, what drumbeat are you going to be listening for here between these two? Yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, Urban Meyer seems infatuated with with Trevor Lawrence, and for good reason, right, for all mm-hmm. the things we just talked about. But Urban Meyer is, you know, not only grooming a young quarterback as the head coach, and he's got, you know, Daryl Bevel there, Brian Schottenheimer sure. to help him do that, of course, but... He's also navigating a landscape that is not totally unfamiliar to him, but pretty darn new as the head coach. And, you know, just it's going to be, you know, to take the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have been one of the, I hate to say it, one of the more irrelevant franchises, right? I mean, no Super Bowl appearances. They've only had a history of about 25, 26 years. Um, You know, some early success, some, some, you know, one year of recent success in between a whole lot of shrug, right? But this is now all of a sudden must see TV. You want to see what herb, how urban reacts to losses. He's going to have more in his first year than he may have had his, his last three years combined at Ohio state. Same thing with Lawrence. I, they're going to lose some games this year. They're not yet good, but you know how those two respond and kind of pick themselves back up after, you know, some tough times, even in a lighter than normal medium at landscape in Jacksonville is going to be fascinating to me. I think from a fantasy perspective, when we're asking whether we're going to draft Trevor Lawrence or Fabham, I, I think in super flex leagues, we are absolutely drafting Trevor yeah. Lawrence. His mobility that you mentioned is just going to make for an obvious, I'm going to have him ranked inside my top 15. You can't without those wheels. And also when you look at the pieces around him, you mentioned Daryl Bevel, the new OC, bringing Marvin Jones from the Lions along. The Marvin right. Jones off-season sleeper articles are writing themselves. <laughs> 
Dude has had nine touchdowns in three of his last four seasons. He is a perennial value pick in fantasy. He's such a fantastic number two. You've got, like, this is what I'm going to listen to. I want to listen for... Which of these receivers, whether it's, you know, the Swiss Army knife that is LaVisca Chenault, the after the catch Mm -hmm. guy, or whether it's the downfield speedster in Chark, or whether it's the veteran outside red zone threat in Marvin Jones, which of these guys is Trevor Lawrence vibing with the most? And I just have a feeling that Marvin Jones, who's definitely not just brought in because of his on-the-field acumen, but because he can add a veteran presence to this very young team, is going to pop more often than people are anticipating. Yeah, I agree. And and I think Chanel, too, only because if the you go back and watch... Right, exactly. I mean, if you go back and watch Clemson... A lot of his, a lot of Lawrence's throws were kind of manufactured, right? The, the the quick little bubble screens and stuff, the slants, the stuff that you know most quarterbacks can complete. So it put him in a lot of friendly downs and distances. And so with Chenault, you know, you can line him up in the backfield, the slot, out wide, what have you. You know, he can take jet sweeps. I think he's going to be active, and I think he's going to be a big part of what they do. The one I worry about, though, I mean, maybe I'm totally off on this. Jones, like you said, savvy veteran. Probably going to have you know the, the rookies trust right away, but DJ Shark, as talented as he is, the one sort of biggish knock I have on Lawrence is that his downfield accuracy was not pristine. I mean, he missed some balls that were even some that were caught, typically because there was blown coverage or the receiver could come back to the ball, something like that. You know, that's got to be a lot more precise. So I don't know those vertical routes are going to be quite as prolific, but. The other guys you mentioned, I absolutely think, you know, should be a, a huge part of what they do. That's an awesome nug, Eric. Everybody listen to that one, and you can be sure that I will be lifting See? it and linking back to this episode when we do our Jacksonville Jaguars preview. Appreciate it. Love the nugs. That's right. <laughs> Forgetting the outline that we have in front of us for a minute, Eric, uh, who is your number two ranked quarterback in the 2021 class? That would be Mr. Justin Fields from Ohio State, but I do have Trey Lance nipping at his heels. They're pretty close. Well, we're not going to talk about either of those guys right now because we are going to talk about the hottest riser in this year's class coming out of nowhere like a rich kid with a headband. I mean, I'm just saying. (laughs) It's Zach Wilson out of BYU. And I got some mad love for Cougars just also saying, so I don't mind it too much. Let's talk about Zach Wilson because – Spoiler alert, if you've been living under a rock, he is expected to go number two overall to the New York Jets. But I want to talk about this player a little bit because I I will admit that I am a bit surprised at his rather rapid climb here. Um, yeah. As a person, as a player of Hawaiian ancestry, Zachary Capono Wilson, he's one of six. His first love, in fact, wasn't football. It was basketball. And apparently his father accompanied him like all over the country to various basketball tournaments as he was growing up, which might be a bit easier because Zach's uncle, David Neeleman, founded JetBlue. So more on that a little bit later because we have to dissect. There's a lot here with Zach Wilson's, but it wasn't until really high school that Wilson focused on football. He wanted to play quarterback. He started at Jordan High and then actually transferred to Canyon Corner. Um, Transferring is a bit of a a theme here for him. Um, He was a three-star recruit coming out of high school. He initially committed to Boise State and then he changed his mind, landed at BYU, 
might be considered or at least was considered a bit of a one-year wonder because of his absolutely blazing 2020 season, but he did start seven games as a true freshman and nine as a sophomore. He only managed nine, though, because he was limited by a a hand injury and an injury to his throwing shoulder. He In 2020, though, and this is, you know, you're only as good as your last season, earned an overall passing grade of 95.5 from PFF. So now we have this kid who went to BYU, played basketball for the majority of his young life, the number two overall pick. I mean, we 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 see rises like this every year where a player with not that impressive a pedigree, and I'm not saying he wasn't a good athlete, but just the fact that they started football late um, and can rise up like this. We always, you know, I don't know that it, a year ago this time we would have had Mac Jones or, you know, uh, Zach Wilson in this in this discussion. Um, Trey Lance would have been the, the, the wild card, but I think Wilson is, he's such an interesting study as you laid out. I mean, he had the, the Mormon Manziel nickname going yep. his freshman year was making all these plays all over the place. Uh, exciting. You know, they, they pulled off a couple big wins, the, the injury marred 2019 season when, you know, didn't play well against rake teams. Utah really ate him up. He made some bad decisions. Uh, and it was clear that I think, you know, that the shoulder wasn't fully, you know, Back to its Healed original up. strength, I don't think. Yeah. And then the hand injury cuts his season short. As, and he wasn't great when he came back, you know. So, I mean, coming into the year, scouts had fourth and fifth round grades on him as a potential underclassman um, entry. So the fact that he was graded by some of the national scouting services tells you that the scouts were aware of him. I mean, they knew that they had seen enough big-time throws. But coming into the year... You know, there there were plenty of questions about what he'd be, how good was BYU. Um, and I'm I'm still mad that we didn't get to see him against, you know, he had original schedule at Utah, Missouri, some other big name competition. They had to redo it because of COVID, obviously. And really, Coastal Carolina was the one game where you could say, okay, that was a top tier defense and even by 2020 standards, right? But that, you know, that's one of the big questions about him, Liz, is that uh, he, okay, he tore up. San Diego State and, and, and a, a weaker Boise team. So, yeah, what, what do we make of that? That's the big question. He also did it behind a elite offensive line. I mean, yes, ma'am. Plenty of time. And I, and I don't want to take anything away from him. In fact, let's give us let's let's give the listeners our one word or our singular phrase. Uh, yeah. You go first. I, I think I had brash, if I'm not mistaken. And, and, it, and it shows in his play style. And I think. You saw flashes of it earlier in his career. I went back and watched one of his games from his freshman year, two from from 2019. And there were times when you could see little little hints of it. But this year, this was a fully confident, fully realized quarterback who decided, you know what? There are 21 other guys out here, and I'm the best, and I'm going to play like it. And most of the time he did. And that allowed him to uncork some of the wildest passes of the season and put them right in the breadbasket, even if his receiver didn't make the grab. So, I mean, it, I was laughing through half the tape I watched because it was part Aaron Rodgers. It was part Aaron, mm. uh, Patrick Mahone, Mahomes, plural, right? Uh, and, you know, part his own. It was exciting. Then again, you know, the level of competition, the injury history, the slight builds, there's a lot to go with it. But his confidence, it's high. I love that take. You mentioned brand, brash, high confidence. To me, the first thing I wrote down, I kid you not, noting his okay. birthday, which is August 3rd, big Leo energy. This kid <laughs> is straight sunshine all the way through yeah. and through. 
Anytime I watch a game, I have never held my breath more while watching a player I have zero personal investment in. Oh, oh yeah. my goodness. Anytime he touches the ball, anything can happen. It is wildly exciting. He does uncork. He does throw off platform. In fact, I think his ability to accurately, that's the key word, throw off platform is something that has boosted his stock, perhaps inflated it, because you can't. You mentioned Patrick Mahomes. This is a copycat league. I can't help but think people are trying to find the next Patrick Mahomes, and they see this thing that Wilson does so God-givenly, and they're like, oh, that's it. We found it. But I don't know if this is completely fully formed, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I mean, right. It's... The natural accuracy is what's exciting. If you see a kid playing like, like for instance, takes where we'll talk about him next year probably, but Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, exciting, thrilling prospect, has some of the same traits and has kind of a skinnier athletic build like Wilson does. You know, there were times last year where he made some horrible decisions, but the next play he'd make it make up for it on second and 23, he'd throw a 38 yard ball, you know, or whatever. And there, there is some element of that to in, in, in Wilson's game too. You know, he atones for some of the mistakes he made, but in the NFL, it's a little less forgiving. So that's why I have him as my number four guy is that there, there's some stuff that should concern you. And if I'm wrong about him, so be it. I mean, I, I feel like I was one of the earliest people to tout him as a first round pick. And, you know, I'm not toot my own horn. I'm just saying, like, I saw it. Like, I saw him make some of these ridiculous throws, arm strength, accuracy, Timing, touch, he was letting it go before his receiver had even finished the route. You'd love to see that. That's confidence right there. But, Liz, I just I just wonder if an NFL team is going to be able to fully adopt an offense that caters to his strengths the way BYU's did, to have the protection, which you mentioned, Christensen, Tristan Hogue, all those guys up front were great, and have it all work the way it did in 2020 against uh, lesser opponents. I just I just think it's going to take a while. And he's such a great actor, right? Like on the field, he sells all of the trickery, the shovel passes, the spin move. Yeah. Like he absolutely sells it. And that is all baked into the confidence, which is definitely a piece of this scouting process. But he's also 6'2 and two fourteen. I mean, this isn't a giant hulking athlete. And people are going to say, well, neither is Kyler Murray, right? But like, I, yeah. they're different players. So when you're looking at a stat, tell me what stat, most represents who he is up until this point. Yeah, and I believe our our stats that we pick kind of parlay off one another. What impressed me was that this is not somebody who benefited from, you know, just screen game and dumping down and little, you know, little short, easy passes. Yeah, they did it uh, at a rate of about four or five per game, and they sprinkled it in. It was a regular part of their offense, but the average depth of his targets on his throws was almost 11 yards, 10.8 yards. Mm. Now, that doesn't put him in the the, the top top, but he was seventh uh, best, seventh highest uh, average depth of target among quarterbacks with, I think, 300 throws last year. So, you know, that tells you he's a vertical passer. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And I love the fact that he can throw from the far hash mark to the other sideline on a rope. And that, that just shows that I think it's right up there with his itty good arm strength, but... He's, he's not just that, that completion percentage is pretty lofty, but he's also taking risks, too. Well, I mean, mine is the completion percentage. I, I right. think that 
he broke a BYU record that was previously held by Steve Young. So pretty good company there. Uh, yeah. Completing 73.5% of his passes in 2020. So again, that blazing 2020 season. And he's doing it with excitement that brings eyeballs in, which has, I think, benefited his stock, obviously. What's your grade for him? Yeah, I gave him a 6.19. And if people have seen the series before, apologize the explanation. But basically, the scale goes from three to nine. I mean, if, if anyone's graded below a four, I'm not looking at them, right? Mm. But um, six is kind of the cutoff for a possible first round pick. You occasionally see some five eights and five nines get in the first round, but the definition of a 6.19 is a possible immediate starter. And as I said before, he's my quarterback four. So he's behind Lance uh, at three and, and Fields at two by about, you know, six hundredths of a point so it's not a massive amount right i still have him just on my edge of my top 10 but i have enough doubts about him to where i'm not going all in on him the way some are you know a little earlier i said well people will talk about kyler murray and i hadn't looked at your comp yet so i'm sorry now is your opportunity to tell me why in fact he is like kyler murray since i am i'm gonna steal it from you that's your comp yeah it is no it's good i I mean, obviously, he's not going to have the electric athleticism and running ability that Kyler does. Kyler's, you know, one of the fastest guys in the NFL, but um, play style, you know, you where you watch Kyler kind of fast and loose sometimes and the ball's kind of down on his hip and, you know, he's zigzagging around the field trying to make something happen. We love that about Kyler. We also you know, cringe. Like you said, I've never held my breath so much. That's sort of what you do when you watch Kyler Murray is because no, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's one of those things. So uh, I see a lot of that in Wilson's game. So I said Murray minus the rare Jets. And uh, what, what, who did you have for your comps? I mean, so I will say that probably fantasy Twitter and draft Twitter, the popular comp is Baker Mayfield. That's what I keep seeing. But I, okay. I'll probably get killed for this myself. I see a lot of Drew Locke. And as Broncos Reddit will tell you, I have been a longtime Drew Locke supporter. I don't know how I ended up on that subreddit, but I sure as heck right. did. Um, so uh, I I see a lot of Drew Locke. I see a lot of kind of that. I'm going to some of that rich kid swag coming in has the brashness that you're talking about. And um, also a little bit of that hero ball. Now, I think that Wilson has the ability, as I said earlier, to throw off platform and his technique is better than Locke's, but he has a lot of that, I got this clutch YOLO ball, Sandlot ball kind of attitude about him. I love it. No, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I don't I don't think you're going to see Zach Wilson just throw a slew of interceptions in the league, but it wouldn't shock me if he has you know, a couple of three pick games or something like that with the lock games where you're going, oh, you know, and I like Drew. I'm a Mizzou guy. Right. But right. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And that that was a perfect description. So, yeah, I, th I think you hit it on the head right there. And I, I want to do this kid a little bit of justice because we mentioned the Jet Blue connection via his uncle. And I just said he had rich kid swag. And before everybody comes after me, Part of the reason this is important to discussing Zach Wilson is because Walter Football had quoted an anonymous scout saying that, and again, the scout was anonymous. 
Um, you can go look it up yourself, uh, saying that there were some character concerns about Wilson. It sounded a little Josh Rosen-y, if I'm being honest. Like, the the, the verbiage. I mean, Casserly killed Rosen and didn't stay anonymous. But what in your line of work, speaking to scouts, and obviously I'm not asking you to give any um, any names or anything, but has that... Has any of that that bubbled up been mitigated? Because, of course, there's, like, a detailed response from, like, you know, the mother of the tight end on the squad who said he brought his own sandwich bread over and he was the most humble ever. And But yeah. from your perspective, a little much more on the inside than I am to this process, have you heard any of those concerns? It would seem as though, given his rise, that you haven't. I, I remember, first of all, a quick story. I remember asking a scout about a prospect. This would have been maybe, like, 10 or 11 years ago leading up to the draft. And, and I asked the scout that I was just kind of getting to know at that point. I said, yeah, I've heard he's, you know, he's kind of cocky. And, and he said, bro, if a quarterback isn't cocky, he's probably not getting in the NFL. And it was just one of those funny reminders that like, oh yeah, duh. Right. But, but to your point, yeah. I mean, I think there is certainly some, you know, brashness and arrogance that we've already talked about. Um, do I think he's, you know, some entitled rich kid who had his own separate locker room from his teammates or any of that stuff. I haven't heard anything like that. I think it's, you know, I talked to a team that isn't currently in the market for a quarterback about him. One of their one of their West Coast scouts who, you know, early in the year, BYU was like the only thing going in that region. Mm -hmm. So this scout went to like three straight BYU games. He's like, I, I watch Zach Wilson every week. That's my new job, you know, waiting for the Pac-12 to start playing. And he basically said, I like the kid. I'm not totally sold on him yet. And he, you know, he wouldn't go into detail in it, but it, they're there may be an attitude there that works on the college level, especially when you're, you know, the team captain and the junior and the big man on campus that may need a little calibration right. once it gets to the NFL. I mean, that could, that could absolutely be the case. Yeah. That's. And, and so now let's talk about the market he's expected to go to. One of the most ferocious in the country is expected to go to the jets. I'm assuming that's where you placed him as the landing spot as well. Yeah, I'm just thinking about my New York Post back page headline, right? Jet Blue, Jets, how can we make ah. this work? Liz, get, get working on this a little bit. But yeah, I like the fit from a scheme standpoint where Mike LaFleur, uh, obviously Matt's brother, who's with the Niners, who came with uh, Robert Saleh to the New York Jets, you know, can really work that wide zone, play action, bootleg, you know, rollout type system, get him on the move. That's where he's best, you know. Can he sit back in the pocket? Yeah, when he has BYU's line blocking a lesser, you know, yeah. uh, North Texas defense, whatever. But um, yeah, in the NFL, obviously, he's got to be a little more cautious there. But I like him out of the pocket. And when he gets to step into his throws, you can see the magic happen. We'll see if Joe Douglas will do for presumably Zach Wilson what he promised Sam Darnold's parents he would do in Surround him with playmakers. Obviously, the Jets added Corey Davis in free agency. They have Denzel Mims, who both you and I liked uh, a lot yeah. last year, right? So there's there's uh, some interesting connection there between those players. Um, but I don't know. This is a very much a work in progress. And if we're speaking from a fantasy perspective, as much as the mobility might help, and behind that line, He's going to have to run. I am worried about the potential interceptions, and I am worried about him not having a true number one to kind of lead him and drag him along into production immediately. Yep, yep. And, I mean, I, I he had Zach Milne as his deep guy there. You know, could, could Mims be that guy? Could Davis develop into that guy? Possibly, yeah. 
But I think you're right. I mean, it would be nice to have a, a reliable tight end. Although to his credit, they lost Bushman, their their starting tight end for like the last 17 years at BYU to injury. And he got along fine. So he, he adjusted to the personnel that was around him through to a lot of freshmen last year. So, you know, he, he was pretty good this past season at, you know, adjusting to, you know, new talent uh, at wide receiver. I think, right, for fantasy, I'm, I'm going to wait and see, though, obviously, if yeah. I'm looking in a keeper league, this is someone I'm going to stash because they're building a franchise theoretically. I mean, not just building a franchise around him, but be, building a franchise around this new regime. And the Shanahan tree the, has some uh, certainly success around it, given yeah. LaFleur's entrance into the into the franchise. Yep, absolutely. No, I think that's a good spot. Yep. Let's talk about Justin Fields. He was my number two ranked quarterback, yours as well. Um, I'm going to, we're going to split the difference on the background here. I'm going to talk about him as he grew up in the metro Atlanta sure. area. He was, by the way, not just a star football player at Harrison High School, but he was also a standout baseball player for the Hoyas. And that's something he's talked a lot about, even throughout his college career, his, his adoration for baseball and how he feels like it has affected his football game. Um, after his senior year of high school in 2018, he was named Mr. Georgia Football by the Touchdown Club of Atlanta. He was also, this is interesting, a five-star recruit ranked just ahead of Trevor Lawrence by ESPN, but behind one spot behind Lawrence uh, by rivals. And That's his right. senior year, this is a nice little trivia tidbit. His senior year was documented in the Netflix series Beyond the Lights, which was created by Peter Berg, who famously also created Friday Night Lights. So oh, now, cool. That's a nice connection. I like. Yeah. That. So, so he's had quite um, an experience, a journey so far, and it continued with twists and turns because he did commit early to Georgia. I'm sorry, he did commit early to Penn State, and then ended up staying locally in Georgia. But then, also, we all know he just he just played for the Buckeyes. So, why don't right. you take over the college portion of his career here? Yeah, so he, in 2018, um, was essentially behind Jake Fromm as the starting quarterback there. And they would bring Fields in for a special package. At that point, he was really more of a runner. He actually had more rush attempts than he did pass attempts that season, but threw the ball well in mop-up duty, and they gave him a couple opportunities. And they were trying to find a way to make it all work where, where Fields would stay then there was this incident with a baseball player. I believe his name was Adam Sasser off the top of my head. If I, but um, kind of an incident of, of, of uh, racism that, that directed at Fields. Yeah. And Fields declared or that he was going to transfer, got an immediate waiver to Ohio State. I think it was February of 19, I guess. And, you know, Ohio State got the biggest transfer in college football that year uh, at, at a very late date. Two months later, he was trying to compete for the starting job and Ryan day was, you know, saying he wasn't going to hand it to him. So yeah, just kind of a, a, a bit of a circuitous route for him to get to this point, but you know, he's obviously made the most of it in, uh, in Columbus. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he entered 2020 as the leading candidate for the Heisman. We all know that that didn't go his way, but um, right. Certainly a giant season with the Buckeyes that he is building off. Or Well, well what actually happened to this momentum, actually? Because that brings me to this point, because I don't think any player is getting dragged the way that Justin Fields is getting dragged. I mean, we're saying that he entered 2020 with all of this glory. He's your number two quarterback. He's my number yeah. two quarterback. And yet there are Vegas odds 
you can go to BetMGM right now uh, debating whether or not San Francisco, who we discussed, you know, traded up presumably to get a quarterback. Uh, there are Vegas odds on who's going to be the number three overall pick. And it's very close. Right now, Fields is the leader, uh, minus 140. But Mac Jones, who we'll talk about next, is at plus 110. So what, yeah. what, what has happened here, Eric? Uh, a lot to unpack, right? I mean, obviously, the, 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 the kind of Fields getting beaten up, I'm going to eventually weave into that in a second. But, yeah, my gut reaction at first was that it wouldn't be Fields. When that trade went down, where they moved from 12 to, to 3, they gave up a, a ransom to get up there, three picks to do so, two future firsts. You know, I said to myself, boy, they, they probably want the guy with the biggest ceiling. And if I had to guess, I would actually say of the ones who could be available – Trey Lance might be that guy. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went that direction. I thought, you know, maybe they'll keep Garoppolo on, wait till Lance is ready, and then kind of, you know, hand off to, to him. And then I kind of had Jones as my second one because, you know, I, I've talked to some people who have been part of that Shanahan tree and everything that Mac Jones does well fits with, you know, the Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan uh, type of quarterback that, that Shanahan's worked with before. And I put Fields third. So then all these were you know, all where the word comes out that, oh, it's Mac Jones. That's the guy they want. Um, I was a little surprised. I wasn't completely stunned, although I thought the price was exorbitant to go get him at that spot. You could almost wait at 12 and see how the draft unfolds. Right. So I do know that there were some whispers behind the scenes that, you know, the, the Niners actually looked into Sam Darnold at one point that they gave, made a pretty good offer. But the Jets weren't too sure about Zach Wilson's throwing shoulder. That was something that that, that sort of leaked out in the mm. last couple of days. This whole thing is so hard to figure out right now, and, and we probably won't know till April 29th. But uh, it would be fascinating if Fields went from the guy who's been getting a lot of criticism to the one who ultimately lands in a pretty darn good spot. So when you look at Fields, <clears throat> what do you see? Well, you know, it's easy to look at the you know the, his improvement as a passer. His running ability is great, but I want to use the one word I want to catch catch all phrase is his toughness. He showed it dealing with this unfortunate incident in Georgia. He dealt it with the criticism he faced over his, his college decision before that. He dealt it after he, you know, transferred to Ohio State and Ryan Day kind of said, you know, Justin's got to be better. And he was. I mean, he threw it, what, 41 touchdowns, three picks. So I, I think he got better that year. But And certainly toughness in the Clemson game when he got smashed in the ribs you know, gets knocked out of the game for a couple of plays, comes back and plays the best game by any quarterback in college football this year. So toughness, it comes in mental and physical forms. And I think he's got both. And that's why I like about him. Yeah. I mean, I, you mentioned the Clemson game. I have in my notes the, you know, that how he got hit in that midsection in the ribs. I, I like toughness a lot. I also, and this is why, where I keep getting stumped. Um, I have creative because this is a player that I think creates on his own. He is he can deliver the ball accurate to all levels of the field. Some of his accuracy stats are bananas, but he also has mobility and he is a tough runner. He has yeah. this dual threat ability. I mean, that was you talked about, you know, his high school career. Like this this was what he was known for and I just don't understand I understand scheme and I understand fit and I understand that that is used as a crutch a lot of the time. And so I don't understand how a offensive mind as celebrated as Kyle Shanahan's wouldn't want a player that brings him to the modern era 
of NFL football. Yeah, I mean, you know, people, critics of Kyle would say that, you know, maybe he's too in love with his system, you know, that maybe he's almost arrogant to the point that, you know, he can get a very sound, fundamentally sound, smart, you know, low, um, you know, risk aversion kind of guy, whatever. So grab Kellen Mond and wait, why are you paying a ransom? Oh, right. Exactly. I mean, that, yeah. Unless he feels that Mac is just the, the perfect fit personality wise for his, you know, with quarterback, it's, it's different. It's like the, you know, it's the guy right in the middle of the beaker and this is big chemistry experiment. So I'm not defending the guy. I'm just saying no, this is how one possible way to look at it. And I mean, we still don't know, right? The, these betting odds, Vegas knows, right? I mean, that that's what's really perked me up. I mean, when I set my mock draft with Trey Lance at three around to a few NFL people, Two of the three I sent it to came back and said, "Our this is now two weeks ago, but still, our thinking is that Mac Jones is the pick. So how am I not supposed to believe that's the guy? Now I see the odds change and I think, maybe they've been just toying with this the whole time and I it mean, is Justin Fields. So who knows at this point? I, there, There's a lot. What cons do you have? What on the field cons? I mean, we're, we're ta- he's sliding for some reason. So what, what are the things about his game on the field that we can be a little more definitive about. Yeah, he's a little methodical when he when he goes through his progressions. And I mean, he's, you know, he's kind of got a little bit of a wind up in his throw, a little bit of a hitch, if you will. Uh, I don't think the mechanics are bad. They're just a little methodical, right? And it just sort of takes him a little longer to to release the ball. He doesn't have Zach Wilson's lightning release. He doesn't have Trevor Lawrence's lightning quick release. Um, and that's okay, but I think he's just got to speed up the process a little bit. He's also got this thing where he'll try to make something out of nothing. Yeah. You know, and you know, you talked about the creativity, and that's great. But the Indiana game, I think, was the the bad version of that, where it's the what are you thinking kind of throws. You know, they don't come out all the time, but when they do, they they tend to be kind of hideous. And this also leads me to uh my interesting stat that I pulled, which was another criticism of him is that. It kind of hangs in the pocket. We talked about Jalen Hurts last year. It was it drove me nuts watching. It was like one one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand. Okay, now I can do this. I want to see both those guys, both Jalen now is still with the Eagles, and also uh, Justin Fields wherever he goes, speed it up. So his number is three point one one. That's the average time in, in seconds that he stood in the pocket. Okay, what does that number mean? Well, it was the third worst in college football last year, uh, according to PFF, among quarterbacks with 250 dropbacks. So, you know, it was like Ian Book was the worst and one other guy ahead of him. So speed it up, Justin, because you've got all the talent. Yeah, I mean, my number one con and when people read my rookie snapshot series, uh, the the written piece that accompanies this pod on fields, the number one con is that he holds on to the ball too long um a little bit of pocket i think that bleeds into some pocket awareness issues absolutely so i think that's i think that that's i love that stat because it illustrates i'm gonna probably steal it just so you know i'll give you credit don't worry everything (laughs) on here is yours um but i think that that stat illustrates perfectly what we are seeing on tape i'm gonna skew positively because i'm tired of this kid getting dragged though i appreciate your your illumination (laughs) if you will um You know, per PFF, and here are two, because again, he is a dual threat quarterback. Per PFF, he was the highest graded quarterback to throw 10 to 19 yards downfield. He earned a score of a grade of 94 and a half in 2020. And 
He earned the highest rushing grade from non-running backs in this year's draft at 84.3 from PFF. Mm, good number. Yeah. So from a fan, maybe maybe this is the fantasy in me that's being per, that's being affected so much. But when I see that ability as a rusher, and I know how the cheat codes work in fantasy, I am all the more excited about that player taking on a starting job as quickly as possible. Absolutely. I mean, he averaged more than a touchdown every two games in college. You know, college rushing totals don't always tell the whole story, too, because they take the sack yardage off the rushing totals. And why they do that, I have no idea. They always have. So he may rush for more yards as a rookie if he's a, you know, 12 or 15 game starter, let's say, than he did in any of his four years. I don't think he ran for more than like 400 and something yards. But again, that was also parlayed in the fact that he took too many sacks. But still, uh, I'm with you. The rushing ability should be out there and pretty, pretty effective. He's not a blazer, but he's a really tough and and pretty Powerful. elusive runner too. Yeah. So you, um, your grade for Zach Wilson was six point one nine. Your grade for Justin Fields is six point two five. So just a hair higher than him. And I think it, you know, it reflects the level of competition that he's played the last two years. A little better than Wilson. A little bigger uh, body frame and size. You know, maybe not quite the the uh, ability to make all those those fun throws, but you know, Justin's a pretty solid player fundamentally. He's just got a couple things to clean up, and, and I think he's maybe a little more ready-made in the right scheme than Wilson would be. And we have the same uh, comps here, but you go ahead and, and tell him. Well, you say – how about you tell yours first, and then I'll add my my little variation on it. How about that? It's interesting because I had the variation, and then I took it off because I was like, <laughs> well, he's more accurate than that guy. So, yeah. um, But <laughs> – He's he reminds me so much of Dak Prescott and yeah, and not yeah. just in the way he plays. I mean, I remember Zach Pres Dak Prescott at the Senior Bowl. He actually won the Senior Bowl, you know, Reese's Cup or whatever they call it. Right. <laughs> um and not that Fields did obviously, but like just kind of the um the not being of the how he was underestimated. I think he has a lot of the same, yeah. like he, his toughness that you mentioned, um, and just a lot of the same energy, a lot of the same ethos around him. And also on the field, I see some definite overlap, the toughness, the mobility, the arm. Um, I, I think that, you know, when you, when Dak Prescott has been working behind up, up until this year, obviously, when he was injury, injured, one of the best offensive lines in the country. And, some right. people might argue the same about uh, fields behind Ohio State's line. And so I, I think when you look at those two, there's a lot of overlap. Absolutely. I mean, it, it was hard for me to not notice some of the similarities between Dak's ascension in college when, you know, Dan Mullen was having him do a lot of read option stuff. You know, it was like the Tim Tebow playbook. But then his senior year, I felt like what got so overlooked was the jump he made as a passer. So it came a little bit later for Prescott than it did for Fields, but still, right? I mean, the, the point is he made this big, noticeable improvement as a thrower, throwing with confidence, you know, on target, giving, you know, receiver room to run, putting it where the defender can't get it, all those little things in terms of accuracy. I saw a lot of those same progressions over the last two years with Fields. Um, but the other name that I threw in there was, was Cam Newton. And a scout had mentioned to me, he said, he's like little Cam in the sense that, you know, Cam has that kind of funky arm delivery. It's a little awkward when you, if you're not used to it, right? When you first saw him back in 2011, 
Um, he's just a smaller version of him, obviously, but the same kind of thing. Like, yeah, Cam's fast, but he's not going to necessarily outrun everybody on the field. What makes him so hard as a runner is he's tough as heck, right? Yeah. You can't tackle him. So there's some overlaps to both guys that I think make some sense. Obviously, we don't. There's we spoke enough about the potential landing spot, whether or not it'll be San Francisco. If it's not, where do you think he goes? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I, I think Denver is a possibility at nine. I think they've done a lot of work on him. I, I selfishly would love to see him in New England just to see what he and Cam are actually I mean, buddies and off the field, right? Cam wouldn't Light. That make, wouldn't that make some fun? Yeah, so I don't know. That, that'll that be interesting to see if, if if he's not the pick at three, what ends up happening and somebody trade up for him. Are they just going to let him come to them? It's, it's part of the draft mystery. All right, now let's talk about Mac Jones, who obviously we've already mentioned. Um, interestingly, I just want to give a shout out to our own Jay Hart. He kind of mans the read and react emails that you guys can subscribe to. Um, and you can email yourself at read and react at yahoosports.com. This morning, Jay's headliner of the various bullet points in the read and react email that came out was an article about Mac Jones. Uh, he called it Pocket Man, which I'm assuming is a Pocket reference. Man. Yeah, a reference yeah, to Rocket gone, right? Man. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, I don't. This that's also like the most covered uh, college acapella song, which actually makes ah. sense in referencing this because Mac Jones reminds me a lot of Kirk Cousins, who also did acapella. But now I'm off on a completely different tangent. So let's just get back to Michael McCorkle. Who's that? That's Mac Jones' real name, y'all. <laughs> What a great name. Michael, Michael McCorkle. Mac McCorkle. Yeah, right. Born and raised in Jacksonville. Comes from a really athletic family, actually. Here are some fun facts. Both of his parents named Gordon and Holly. They're now lawyers at the same firm in Jacksonville, by the way. Partners, of course. Uh, they both yeah. they both played tennis in college. His sister, Sarah Jane, also played tennis at the collegiate level. His brother, Will, played soccer at Holly's alma mater, actually. Mercer College. But Mac was different. He started playing Pop Warner ball at five years old. He was a three-star recruit coming out of the Bulls school, which is, it seems like a very fancy private prep school in Jacksonville. The Bulls school. The Bulls school. I mean, it's not even like Bulls H, Bulls HS. It's like the Bulls school. There's like, you can board your kid there. Maybe horses <laughs> right. too. I don't know. Um, so he, he the equestrian program is wonderful, let me tell you. Right. Yeah. Well, and speaking of equestrian, he initially committed to Kentucky. Derby is coming That's up right. on May 1st. Uh, but then he accepted a scholarship from Alabama after an official visit to Tuscaloosa. Uh, he redshirted his freshman year in 2017, played like special teams, kind of, was mostly where he got most of his action. He didn't get the starting job, obviously, until Tua hurt his hip in 2018. I'm sorry, in 2019. And then he became mm -hmm. the official starter this past season in 2020. And if we're talking about, you know, good timing, he led the Crimson Tide to their most recent national championship. So been riding high pretty good year for him yeah yeah i i love the fact that he already knew in 2017 when he committed to uh, or sorry 2016 i believe when he committed to to alabama he knew that jalen hurts was a was a freshman starter for alabama he knew that Tua tonga vailoa who i believe at the time was the number three overall quarterback recruit in the country so he was everyone knew him he was a top 20 guy uh, had already committed to Alabama. And he was like, absolutely, sign me up. I want to go there. He says no to Kentucky and says, I'm going to go to Bama and prove everybody wrong. I kind of love that about him, right? There's something exciting about that. 
I mean, it shows me that he is smart, frankly, which is the one word I have for him. He is incredibly smart from his uh, career strategy to his decision making on the field. I have a question about that, but I want to hear your word first. Yeah, my word is poised. I mm-hmm. mean, right, following in 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 the footsteps of Tua, who was obviously a legend at Bama, you know, playing well down the stretch last year, leading him to a win over the uh, over Michigan in the bowl game, and then having a perfect season in you know in a pandemic year. I thought was you know Jalen Waddle gets hurt, no problem. Let's just turn Devontae Smith into a Heisman winner. You know, it was it was yes, he was surrounded by oodles of talent there, but he still had to make the throws. He still had to be the guy who who pulled the trigger on these balls and. Uh, for the most part, he played, you know, extremely clean football. So yeah, I, I thought the poise that he showed this year was 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 pretty strong. And he's got a, he's you know he's got some cockiness to him too. Liz, this is the guy who was trash talking Nick Saban as a scout team quarterback, say you better put a better defense out there than the one I'm shredding right now. Like f- a freshman quarterback who had just been suspended for a game is out there saying, yeah, Coach Nick, what are you doing out here? I. Either love it or hate it, but he's he's got some confidence. And he knows how to use the pieces around him. I think, you know, yeah. when you mentioned Jalen Waddle, like they the Waddle and Jones have had an incredible connection because in 2018, it was that 90 plus yard touchdown pass from Jones to Waddle, second longest in Bama history that won that Louisiana Lafayette game. Right. So like this is a kid who knows how to be clutch and he knows who can help him reach ceilings in big moments. He does not shy away when the when the lights are bright. And that is key to being a franchise quarterback. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, too, when Jalen Waddle broke his ankle on the opening kickoff against Tennessee, I think that was the fifth game of the year. So they'd already played four games. He had 80 more receiving yards than Devontae Smith at that point. So, you know, he was averaging. 20 more yards per game at that point. Maybe Jalen Waddle would have been the, the Heisman Trophy winner had he not gotten hurt. Who knows? Or mm. maybe Mac maybe Mac wins it if if you know if he's splitting the balls up between Smith and Waddle. So yeah, I think you're right. I think he understands, you know, where to put the ball. That's what that's what makes him a smart football player, is that he throws it to the open guy. Like sometimes quarterbacking is very easy, and that's an element that you have to, you know, you have to master, right? Throw it to the open guy, let him do the work. You'll be good. That's his game right there. That is a delegation. The most successful people know that delegating is key yes. to staying on top. And as we're talking about his player, his intelligence as a player, I mean, the thing I wrote down first in my notes, mega plus pocket awareness. I don't mega plus is yeah. not a damn word, but like mega plus pocket awareness. I'll allow it. Uh, Thank you. Excellent (laughs) accuracy, particularly in the short to intermediate levels of the field. Um, I am wondering, though, and this is the question I have for you, is is Jones so smart that he is also smart enough? You're talking about him being cocky, but is he also smart enough to be aware of his limitations to view the field of competition, the other prospects vying for early draft draft picks? And learned how to play so cleanly, um, adjusted his mind, was able to get through his reads and progress and improve his anticipation because he knew that he wasn't terribly mobile, that he wasn't going to succeed as a rusher. And so he didn't have that skill set to default to and therefore um, developed the other side of his skill set to 
a really advanced level given his age. No doubt. No doubt about it. That's exactly right. I think I think he's very self-aware of his own shortcomings. He doesn't have a rocket arm. You know, can he throw deep? Yes, he can. But it's not on a laser, right? Everything is yeah. a lollipop. He's He's got Drew Brees' game. I mean, that's really, mm. I'm not saying that's my comp for him, but I mean, mm-hmm. that's sort of the player, you know, Drew Brees was never the most physically blessed player, of course. And and yet we're talking about a first ballot, no-brainer Hall of Famer. Tom Brady, you understand why people would make that, that comparison. It's the same thing. You know, Mac is actually not a terrible scrambler. He just doesn't do it that often. When you are in, in man coverage and, you know, he sees that opening to pick up six free yards, guess what? He's going to take them. But when, you know, he's forced out of the pocket and, and he's scrambling, you know, it, it's not the best result. So he understands, yeah, I, I thought he did a great job this year too, Liz, of knowing when to get rid of the ball a little quicker. There were times when he took hits and sacks in 19 where you could tell the coaches went after him at the end of the year and said, we can't have that one, we can't have that, we can't have that. And you saw him through the throw the ball away a lot more than he than he did on a per, you know, throw basis or whatever. So He's, well, and that, that's the distinction, too. right, between him and Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean, that that level of, of I don't again, I don't want to just say self-awareness. I mean, I think Justin knows what skills he has and what he doesn't. But, I mean, that that level of sort of understanding of what it takes to be successful as Mac Jones, you know, he's, the problem is, I think he's close to his, his potential. Like, yeah. I mean, he's not going to get a ton better. That's right. He's, he's physically he's the same guy, right? So he's not the upside only... play. He is the floor yeah. play. That's right. Exactly right. Yep. Uh, give me a stat real quick, and then let's talk about comps. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the deep touch is there. He he was completing almost sixty percent of his passes, fifty eight point six, I want to say, on balls twenty yards down the field, and he had two picks, the seventeen touchdowns on one of the interceptions. He got hit from behind, so I don't know how much you can really say it was on him. So. You know, everybody says, well, he doesn't have a strong arm. That's true, but he can also throw deep. They're just a lot of, they're pretty rainbows. They're just not those, 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 uh, shots through the air. The that frozen that ropes, the they like to say. Yeah, frozen there. ropes. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. Um, I'm out of words. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm in, in tangential to what you're saying, but mm-hmm. highlighting it. And that's the adjusted keyword completion percentage of 84.2% right. QB1. So he knew when to, he knew when not to, and that shows up in his overall completion percentage, not necessarily in giant highlight real worthy clips on YouTube. Um, yep. And uh, f- th- and because of that, my comp for him is Derek Carr. Yeah, I like it a lot. I mean, Carr, you know, isn't the most physically gifted guy. He's got a pretty, I'd say maybe he has a little better arm, but maybe not much. And uh, I went with Kurt Warner. I mean, I realize that's a little bit of a throwback. I'm I, every day. I feel like I'm showing my age here, but um, but Warner. I, it's funny because I I thought of him while I was watching Mac, and I made a note and wrote Kurt Warner with a big circle around it and said I, I got to go back and and just watch some Kurt highlights. I'm not going to watch uh-huh. like six games of Kurt, but so I did. And now Kurt had a little bit of that sort of sideline uh, sidearm flick to his release, a little different than Mac, but the same concept of like. I know what defense you're in. I know what my hot read is. I know what my second read is. And I'm going to put it pretty darn close to where I want to. That's what Kurt was, his incredible, incredible quick thinking and accuracy. So do I think he's going to go to three Super Bowls and, and be one of the, you know, I don't know. But 
style-wise, I could see it. Uh, well, if Mac Jones is the pro, then the last quarterback we're going to talk about, Trey Lance, is the project out yeah. of North Dakota State. He was born in Marshall, Minnesota. It's about two and a half hours outside of Minneapolis. Interestingly, he was trained by his dad, who was a former cornerback, Carlton, who played at Southwest Minnesota State. He had a brief career in the CFL. His dad did. Um, initially, Lance played running back, but then he transitioned to quarterback in middle school. He went to Marshall High School. He played both quarterback and safety. And this is key because it's kind of affected his career route into college. He was rated the eighth best player overall in the state of Minnesota and the best quarterback in the state. Mm. But Despite all this, he only drew scholarship offers from seven schools. Ironically, my alma mater was one of them. I remember tracking this at the time. Um, he, You don't want to go play football though, there, though, if you want a career in the NFL. So um, he, <laughs> he had trouble drawing interest as a quarterback, despite you know being the best quarterback in the state of Minnesota. Um, in fact, the head coach at Minnesota wanted him to play safety, as he had done a little yes, bit in high school. And None of the Power Five schools wanted him at quarterback. They were asking him to transition to either DB, safety, or wide receiver. So he had a dream, believed in himself, went to North Dakota State where he could play quarterback. They were thrilled to have him. He redshirted as a freshman in 2018. Then in 2019, he had the year, started all 16 games, passed for uh, over 2,700 yards, 28 touchdowns. Uh, on 287 attempts, he recorded 1,100 rushing yards and 14 touchdowns on the ground. But then in 2020, we didn't get to see the sequel because the Bison season was canceled due to COVID. So now here we are. Here we are. And we have I, what I would describe as an unprecedented evaluation because I don't mm. think we've ever had a quarterback with so few starts, 17 on the college level, Um who only played one year, one game the year before, prior, who will turn 21 a week after the draft or two weeks, whatever it is, a week, a week and a half after the draft, and who, you know, possesses some of the more exciting tools to work with in a while. I mean, it, it's, you know, it feels like a boomer a bust pick, but I'm just so excited by what I saw as a redshirt freshman. I feel like if he gets in the right spot, he's got the, my keyword, maturity to handle you know, sort of waiting a little bit, biding his time. I'm not talking two or three years. I'm saying part of a season or one year, you know, the Mahomes route, let's say. Mm. Because, Liz, I watched him, and I talked to a, 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 a guy who knows a little something about quarterback who worked for an NFL team, who said, if you watch what he does at the line, he's changing protections. You know, he's helping his center out IDing the, the, the right, you know, the Mike linebacker. You know, he knows coverages in front. So for a guy who P.J. Fleck thought should play safety, I would say his quarterback understanding is really advanced for a redshirt freshman to go 16-0 and win a national title, even if it is at, at the FCS level. I like that you mentioned matur maturity. Uh, similarly, what I got when I watched a lot of his tape was, and I, I have to admit I watched him right after watching Zach Wilson because sometimes I don't just like watch all of the games from a player I like to yeah. mix it up so that I don't just get in a, in a zone you know um and I can see the differentiations between the players and sure. I saw he was so calm he had lots yeah. of physicality if if um Zach Wilson is big Leo energy then <laughs> Trey Lance has big Taurus energy 
and the Torrens are known as being stubborn and he just has this kind of like, I got this feel about him. I'm not holding my breath in an, oh my God, what's going to happen kind of way. I'm just sort of like going with him on this ride. And I love his his physical tools also. He has such, and maybe that's because of the versatility that he's played at different positions, but he really does. And I don't like using this, especially at the quarterback position, because I think it gets manipulated into coded language. And I'm not trying to do that, but he does have just general athleticism that is next level. And I think could translate very well, given where we are and given where the position is right now in the NFL. Oh, you'd be foolish not to play up his his physical tools. And, you know, like I I felt a little guilty doing that in my report, but I just couldn't help but gush over him too, yeah. right? Because he can throw the ball all over the field. He's a he's I think a more natural runner than Justin Fields, a little bit more uh maybe elusive. I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to sort of put him side by each and 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 do the Pepsi challenge, I guess. <laughs> but I, I I love the guy. I really do. And I and yet you can't help but be a little cautious just because of the the inexperience. Yeah, he's just, he's not easily flustered though. You know, he's got, I think, really surprising touch for a player with, and this is the knock against him, as much limited experience as he has. Yeah, yeah. I still want to know like what big Capricorn energy is because that's me and I'm a a little worried. I I don't know what the... Oh, that's the goat, baby. That's the goat. My mom's, my mom is a Capricorn and we can talk about that later. Um, okay, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll give you a diagnosis. I'm very familiar. All right. <laughs> um, let's talk stats, though, not stars. What's one yes. that you think represents Trey Lance up until now? Yeah. And, and just to highlight the inexperience factor, because right now that's obviously one of the biggest questions about him. We just haven't seen that much of him. It's not only that he only started 17 games. It's that he averaged fewer than 20 pass attempts per game that, you know, that alone will only give you so much of a look at his work as a passer, how he's reading defenses, how he's responding. 18.6 pass attempts per game. The team as a whole, including Lance, because he was a good runner, averaged 45 Mm. run uh, attempts per game. And Liz, if you look too, in the playoffs that year, they had like three or four playoff games. His pass attempts kept going down. Part of that was because they were having such dominant uh, success with the run game. But you also wonder, were they maybe being a little more cautious with him as as the, the games got more important? It may not matter that much now. But again, it just it just reinforces that we don't have a lot of evidence from which to extrapolate our, our, our draft report. We don't. But here's a stat that everybody likes to cite. And I'm not going to deny anyone from hearing it if they haven't already. He recorded 40, 42 touchdowns, 28 passing, 14 rushing, and had, here's the number, Zero interceptions. Yep. I mean, that's a, that's, that's a year, man. That's a season that you basically didn't make any mistakes to throw in the, <laughs> I mean, yeah. not any big ones anyway. It's now he had and, two and maybe this the year. pass attempts, maybe the lack of pass attempts helps him here. Right. Sure. Oh, absolutely. No doubt about it. But any, he, he had one, I'm sorry. He had one interception, Robert Rochelle from central Arkansas. I remember that one. Uh, Robert's going to get drafted this year too, but yeah, I mean, it was disappointing that he had the one game showcase this year because he was something like 15 out of 30 passing. And he was, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't as accurate as we had seen consistently the year before, but they also were letting him throw uh, with a little more risk and and taking some chances there. But in the right hands, I think we've, we've got something very interesting here. 
so my comp, I had trouble with this comp because I kept, he kept reminding me of Josh Allen, except I think he is a more polished passer than Josh Allen was. Yeah. Um, and I'm also, but, but I, but I do think when we take into account all the physical tools and the evolution that Allen has been able to make, we have what I think could be Lance's ceiling. I think there could be a similar trajectory between the two players. I will ask you this before I ask you your comp, though. Can, so, yep. can you explain to me, please, how a player can be applauded for good decision-making, as Lance often is, but also dragged for inconsistent accuracy? How do those two things compute? Yeah, I mean, I would. I think I know what you're asking here, and I would probably just say that you know, you, you're making the right read. You're not just, you're just not putting it in the exact spot. And his balls could be a little high, a little wide, a little off target. You know, there's some stuff that needs to be a little cleaned up there. But yeah, I would say, especially when he throws on the run, I feel like there were times when, you know, unlike Zach Wilson, who was at his best throwing on the run, I felt like there were times when Trey Lance would get a little sloppier with mechanics. And you know, he can go through the mental part of the game and know, all right, I'm hitting the fullback in the flat on this one, you know, or the next time around I'm hitting the, the double move on the other side, but just not delivering it. So I, I think the mental process is is going well, but I think there are times when he kind of flutters the ball out there, doesn't put it in the right spot, things like that. All right. And who's your comp then? I, I kind of was getting these sort of Steve McNair vibes watching him. I know that's a tough comp, but uh, same sort of build, you know, big well, sort of physical you know like you know a guy that you could look at and assume was a linebacker or something like that um he's a tough runner he sort of fits that that mold you know the deep accuracy wasn't always there but lance's arm strength is not a concern Mm. he can sling the ball right so you know mcnair in college was like they were gunning all over the damn field and he could run as well so there's some similarities there plus he came from alcorn state a little lower ball you know and McNair went third. I think when I when I initially made that comp, I was thinking, what if Trey Lance goes third? Wouldn't that be kind of cool? You know, a little symmetry there. So maybe that's stuck in my head a little unfairly there. But yeah, there's there's some overlap there. Might be a little stretch. Interestingly, you got into my head that he might go to New England. It was you who put that in in my brain in the first place. But the more I think about it, the more I feel like Washington is a really nice spot for him. Absolutely. Yeah. They they like him too, from what I can tell. Oh, that's and good. You've got the ultimate uh, warm up act, right? Yep. Ryan Fitzpatrick, like he's been, like he's always the opener, never the, the headliner, right? Like that's, that's but also comfortable with it, like knows absolutely. it is fine. It's not like Ben Roethlisberger, who's like, oh, I, no, I'm not mentoring anymore, or Joe Flacco, right? Like, right? <laughs> he's like, okay, it's cool. It's not I get my it. job to mentor the rookie. Yeah, right. I get it. Yeah. Um, so, but what about you? I, I, I have my fingers as someone who's been in a long-term committed relationship with a Washington football team supporter. I have my fingers <laughs> crossed that Trey Lance will please go to DC. What about you? It would be a, it would be a fun place for him to land. No doubt about it. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I like it better than my choices, but I will say, you know, Atlanta's got a decision to make it for, do they, do they take the, if they're going to take a quarterback who could use some seasoning and, and wait a little bit. Why not take the guy who just turned 21 who, you know, could use some time behind Matt Ryan, I think would be uh, a good guy to learn from watching his mechanics. Makes some sense. I don't love it. Arthur Blank loves a narrative. And if Justin Fields doesn't go to San Francisco at three, the whole staying in Georgia narrative to me is just two chef's kiss 
Oh, I know, right? Oh, I mean, that's what everybody the, – the fans in Georgia want fields there. They also – or they want a non-quarterback, right? So right. if you put that one to the side, you know, a few picks later, Detroit I don't think is married to Jared Goff. No, definitely Carolina not. I don't think is going to be – is going to be married to, to Sam Darnold if he plays the way he did. I get why they made the trade. They had to make a risk. They were ready to bet the farm on a Deshaun Watson trade. Mm-hmm. That you know obviously couldn't happen. They take plan B. Why not ensure that pick a little bit? Um, so, you know, again, I don't love any of the choices the way I do like your pick, but I can see Atlanta, Detroit, Carolina at least being sort of curious about Trey Lance by the way though if he lands in any of these places Washington Atlanta maybe not Detroit but Carolina any of those three with the weapons around him immediate fantasy impact right like that you're all right let's go now you are especially given his mobility now maybe maybe you're also being ranked in that third tier of fantasy quarterbacks and I'm much more interested assuming you're going to start right away I mean in Atlanta maybe you got to learn behind Matt Ryan for a minute and Matt Ryan's not getting hurt but but the the other places I think Trey Lance would have more than some of these other prospects we've talked about. I mean, like just okay, I know you're not like a fantasy guy, but like if Trey right. Lance lands in gets the starting job in Washington, Atlanta, or Carolina, are you willing to draft him in fantasy ahead of Zach Wilson, who's it going to New York, even if you know that Wilson's gonna start a few games before Lance gets out there? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. I would. I would be intrigued. I could right? get myself on board to buy that. Yeah, right. Like that's I mean, a decision I, now. It is that he would be right in his landing spot. He could have a chance to start by the end of his rookie year, or he might be forced to sit if he goes to a place like Atlanta. So there's, you know, I always say fit with quarterbacks is the ultimate, you know, sort of element that decides whether they're going to be good or great or bad. With him, it's crucial. He, he cannot go somewhere and sit for three years, but at the same time, I don't think you want to ex- expect him to be a rookie, you know, a day one starter. All right. Well, I, I love this conversation. I had a lot of like, I had a lot of um, rising Aquarius moon issues heading into <laughs> it because right. I was all up in my feelings about this episode. So I appreciate okay. you helping me vent those. We will definitely talk about your Capricorn energy. That's a goat. Good. You're the, you're the goat. I mean, kudos to your wife. The, we have to discuss. We will I talk more. I saying kudos to her. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk more, maybe astrology. We'll see what comes up uh, for another episode of the rookie snapshot next Thursday. We'll talk wild cards. We could also call this the Kyle Pitts episode, but it's basically all of the players that we have yet to discuss that are getting a bunch of buzz around them. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That is at Eric underscore Ed Holm. You can follow the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty. Also follow Post It Up with Chris Haynes for all things NBA. But until then and next week, we're out. <laughs>